Hey friends, Pastor Brandon here, and we are so excited that you logged on to stream our sermon content here at Community Covenant Church. We pray that it is uh, helpful, enjoyable, and that will help you grow into all that God has created you to be. We have other ways that we help you grow here. And first, that is through our gatherings on the weekend. Um, and it's also in groups as we gather together as the church uh, beyond the weekend. Um, and we are applying this sermon content and the gospel to our lives. And and then lastly, through mission opportunities, both serving inside and outside the local uh, church. And so what we pray is that this sermon content uh, is in no way replacing a meaningful relationship between you and a local church, whether that's our church or another one in our area. Uh, we just would pray that this is supplemental to you and not a replacement of a meaningful engagement with a local church. And so just praying uh, for you as you continue to grow and pray that God continues to uh, help you connect to a group of people that love you and know you. Blessings. So today, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Again, if you were here last week, we, we were hanging out in Deuteronomy ch chapter 6, talking about some parenting. We're going to do the same thing today. Um, and so you want to go to page number 155 in the Bibles that are on your seats. Go ahead and, and go there. You can follow along as well in version if you go, if you, if you read the Bible on uh, that as well. Um, it won't be on the screen. Uh, so you definitely want to grab that Bible. Um, if this is your first time here, or if you have never, uh, if you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. You want to uh, take, you can take that along with you and, and be good on that. Um, and uh, again, why we have Bibles on our seats is because we, I want you to see that we're talking about uh, stuff that's in the Bible, not stuff that I'm just making up. Um, it it's comes from somewhere, and so we want you to follow along and participate in that. Uh, so that we can all be changed by Christ together. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hey, let, let me pray, and uh, then we'll continue. Father, uh, you are uh, sovereign in all of your ways. You're just, you're king, and we, uh, we fall underneath that as your creation. God, we, we acknowledge you as Lord over our lives, and so we ask you to shape us in every area. God, our parenting, our relationships, our marriages, our working. Uh, God, the way we handle our money, the way that we uh, participate in hobbies. God, we want you to have the glory for every area of our life. And so, God, we ask you to do that today. Show us how to live the way of Jesus uh, today and, and, let it, and let it just uh, pursue and, and move into every area of our life, every aspect of our being, every facet of who we are that you created us to be. God, help us grow into that and look forward to thanking you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, uh, so we, we've been saying that parenting is like, every, is, is like so many things, right? We have so many stories of what our parenting uh, can be like. For me, parenting has pretty much uh, equated to picking up Nerf bullets for the last uh, 10 years of my life, uh, which I didn't like them before, and I still don't like them now. And, uh, and so you just pick up Nerf bullets for the rest of your life. It seems like that might be the case. Uh, parenting is like so many things, and... Uh, and, and, but really what we said last week and what we'll say again this week is that parenting really is like 
having your heart leave your body and walk around outside of you. Parenting uh, is one of those aspects that although the, uh, the days are long and the years are short, it feels like your heart just leaves your body somehow and walks around outside of you. You get to watch it, right? You, ever feel, you don't feel what you feel, unlike parenting in many ways. You don't feel like you do. And what we said was, was God actually feels the same way about you. We looked all throughout the scriptures last week. Go back and listen to it online if you, if you want or listen to the podcast. And you can see that God actually feels the same way you feel for children, the way that you see that take place, the way you see your children grow and flourish is the same that God feels for you. And, and how we know that is because uh, he put that in there. He said, I want, you to, I want you to be a little bit like me so that you can show the world what I'm like. I want you to show the world what I'm like because there's so many people that need to know about who I am, that I'm not just a big angry guy in the sky waiting for you to screw up so I can, I can send some lightning bolts on you, but I'm a loving dad. And it's like this idea that we can participate in his idea of parenting. And so it's, it's kind of like this idea where like, oh, my, my heart is outside of my body walking around. And because deep down we know, this is why this is so important, deep down we know that the most important contribution might not be something we do, uh, but someone we raise. It might not be something we do. We might not have this long list of awards of recognition that's public in all these sorts of different ways, but we might have just one release into the world, one participation in the overall view of the world, one thing that we can give the world might not be something we do, but someone we raise. And so this is my encouragement for you today. If that's the case, take the long-term view not the short-term gain. Choose the long-term view. If there's anything we can encourage, this is whether you're a parent in here or not, if, whether you're a Christian or not, wherever you're at, you can do this one thing and it'll, it'll change everything about the way that you live life. You can literally choose the long-term view instead of the short-term gain. And, and, and so last week, what I, wanted, what I wanted to do is encourage you in parenting, in the activity of parenting, but today I wanna encourage you as a parent. Uh, because how many know that this, uh, this life has all sorts of just junk in it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Some, some seasons you got awesome days, and some days you just got crazy days, right? Some, some of them are awesome, some of them are, are terrible. And, and, and what I want to do is just encourage you as a parent, not, not just in your parenting, um, not just in the way, the activity you do things, but you as a person, um, because I think the Bible has some encouragement for you as well in that. So we're going back to Deuter Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to, I'm literally going to preach the same passage that I preached last week. Um, and, that's, and that's, I didn't take a vacation this week, I promise. I'm not, that's not what I did. Um, but I wanted to do is, is again, it's one of these core passages when it comes to parenting that, that, uh, that I think makes its way into so much of our daily lives, makes so much into uh, really what the Bible teaches us about it, uh, that I wanted to bring it back up and, and just kind of flip it, on, flip it around and just encourage you as a parent today. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. 
The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water, cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord and serve him. And when you take an oath, you must use only his name. You must not worship any of the gods of neighboring nations. For the Lord, your God who lives among you, is a jealous God. And so what we talked about last week, we say again, is that Moses um, is, is speaking to the nation of Israel. He's like the first president. He's the leader of the entire nation. He's the guy. And he's speaking on behalf of God, and he's encouraging them, hey, you're getting ready to move into a new uh, city, into a new place. You're getting ready to, to actually obtain the promise that God has given you a long, long time ago. You're about to do it. And he starts, he's saying, remember all sorts of different Things you saying, hey, I, I want to give you uh, some some commands. I want to remind you of who you are. I want to remind you of what God has done in your life, so that you remember. There's only one person responsible for your life. That it's only God that actually could take the credit for who you are as people. And so he encourages them, and he says the number, first thing that you need to do, the first thing you need to have, get wisdom for, the same, the first thing that you need to remember today, is to remember your identity. So if you want to be an incredible parent, you want to be uh, an, a, a, just an incredible, successful person, he doesn't start off with, you know, get a degree and do this and do that. He says this, remember your identity. And he, and he, and he shouts them. See, verse 4 through 6 is a prayer. It's a prayer they know very, very well. It's called the Shema. And at the Shema, the Shema is the core central identity to the nation of Israel. It says, it says he, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord is uh, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He says, basically, your identity is to dive into God with all of your being. When, when someone asks you, uh, who are you? You say, oh, man, I'm Brandon. I'm a follower of Jesus. And that literally affects everything about who you are. And in fact, it will not only uh, just impact everything about you, it's going to leave generational pulses. It will leave a pulse upon every generation that follows you. We talked about last week that, that you need a North Star. Every parent needs a North Star, and everybody actually has one. The question is, is it the right one? Is it the best one? Is it gonna get you the life that you picture yourself? that you picture for yourself. What the Bible teaches here is that you actually, if you remember your identity as a parent, that you're not first a parent, but you're first a child of God, then you will see the life that you're looking for, the, the health that you're longing for in the midst of your family. See, many times we stop at the idea of being a parent. And that's our, it's our whole world. It's our whole identity. But things change, don't they? And, and, and our hearts are broken at different seasons. And our kids grow. And he's saying, you, you, you need to remember one thing. Remember that you're not first a parent, but you're first a child of God. And from that, if we can live from that identity, watch, watch what Psalms t- uh, teaches us when, when, we, when, he says, when, uh, when we do this, when we live from this identity. David sings a, a song. He says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord. All who follow his ways, that's identity, right there. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. 
How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. I never say that to Connie. Don't say that to your wife this week. (laughs) Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. Another weird one for your kids, but that's, that's all right. We'll continue. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. Do you want a flourishing home? Yes, of course, don't you? Whether you live by yourself or you live with a quiver full of children, like Psalm says. Regardless of, do you want a flourishing culture in your family? How joyful are those who fear the Lord? All who follow his ways. Now, now here's the thing. There's two types. I've never heard, of, I've never heard you know, either way. I've never heard a parent tell me, man, I just want my family to just be terrible. You know, I just, you know, my family's doing so well, I just wish something would come and cut me out at the knees. Never heard any parent say that, but you know what I've never heard either? I've never heard of a parent tell me how great of a job they feel like they're doing. Don't we, aren't we just scared to death most days of our lives for the sake of our children, for the sake of our own, for the bills, for the, all sorts of, we're just scared sometimes. How joyful are those who fear the Lord? Do you want to release that? Don't you, I mean, don't you want to release that type of an emotion, anxiety, all that worry? You want the joy of a culture of your family that's just pursuing life and loving life? How joyful are those who fear the Lord? All who follow his ways. He's saying, I have the best way of life. You're all living a way of life. You might be living your way of life or the soccer way of life or the political way of life, whatever way of life, you're the business way of life, the college way of life, whatever way of life you might be doing, your identity is not first in what you do. It's in who you are and who you are as a child of God. And when you follow his ways, you get a joyful life. You get a flourishing family and you get, a chi- you get children that are apparently as vigorous as olive trees. And I don't know what that means essentially, but I think, I, I think, I think it means that there's a lot of life and a lot of flourishing. So you got to remember your identity. You're not first a parent. You're first a child of God. And when that, your identity is that, all of the other areas of your life will flourish. And we'll start there. Remember your identity. You want to be a great parent. You want to be just incredible at living life. Know that God's way of life is the best way of life. It, look, it even says it moves on to another generation. If you go to the next slide, um, it gives us another, in, in Proverbs chapter 20, it says, the godly walk with integrity. Again, it's, in, it's identity. Blessed are their children who follow them. Can you imagine that? Doesn't that make you shudder in your shoes, right? Just absolutely like, okay, blessed are my children based off the integrity and the godliness of my life. That just makes me pray. That shouldn't make you feel scared. It shouldn't make you feel fearful. It should make you pray. God, I'm going to move to my knees and ask and beg and plead that you make me the person that you envisioned me to be, that you created me to be. Good parents um, will start with, by being good Christians first. And we start there. Our identity is first as a child of God, overflowing into our life, flourishing from there. We start uh, there. So the, the next thing that, that Moses will encourage these people with, first is remember your identity. Number two is embrace your calling. Look at the way he says to, to live out or to pass on or to continue to show your commitment to your identity. Look what he says. 
You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. And he continues on. He says, you want to show this commitment. It's a cadence that the Bible has. If, you, if you're just reading the Bible, you just constantly see this. Hey, 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 don't forget to teach this to your children. Don't forget to teach this to your children. Don't forget to teach this to your children. Hey, it's a really good idea. Don't forget to teach this to your children. It's almost like the Bible is saying that, that you're responsible. If you want to pray for one, your first one needs to be your children. Your first one needs to be your children. And man, we just pray. As good parents, what we do is we pray and we just lay kindling around that, that little dude's heart, right? That's all we're doing. We can't set that ablaze. The Lord sets that ablaze. But man, we pray and we pray and we pray. And as we lay kindling around their little hearts, we, we just pray that God would send his spirit and light that little guy on Light that little, don't say that. Don't say that in a, in a sermon. Don't light a little guy on fire in a sermon. Light the heart of that little guy on fire. I always think about the time. Little, give, give you a little rabbit trail here. Like, when I'm looking back at these things, like in 10 years, and someone finds this video and clips out that little part and sends it out online, I'm just like, I fear that day. But um, hopefully they listen to the entire context. Anyway, that we would like kindling, lay kindling around them and ask that God would, would take their heart and change it and shape it. We just ask that. We need to embrace our call. And our call as a parent is to teach the things of God to our children and to model for them, and we'll get that in a second, but model for them what that looks like. To teach them the things of God uh, for all that. And in fact, the Bible lays out this idea that not only should you be praying for your children, but you should actually be praying for your grandchildren's grandchildren. It's, a, it's like a six-generation idea. There's actually an old preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards. He used, to, he used to make that a part of every single morning of his life. Every single morning of his life, he'd pray for his grandchildren's grandchildren. And you don't even know their names. You don't know the names of your grandchildren yet or your great-grandchildren yet. But he prayed that the legacy of Christ would move beyond him into his grandchildren's grandchildren. Even Psalms talks about this as well. Proverbs talks about it, where it says, grandchildren are the crown and glory of the age. Parents are the pride of their children. It talks about this idea where, where, where your grandchildren are just your pride and joy, even more than your children might be. Probably because you get that they're not yours entirely, right? You get to give them back. And all the grandparents said, amen, love that. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. But you, but you give them, and then you pray that God would allow not your generation, and not just your children, but your grandchildren's grandchildren to leave a legacy of faithfulness to God, that he, they would love Jesus, that, that they would in turn be their own generation, that they wouldn't just live your faith, but they would live their own faith, and that their grandchildren would live their own faith, and that their grandchildren's grandchildren would personalize what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's nothing out more outside of your control than the heart of your grandchildren's grandchildren. And so what do we do? We pray. 
We become people of pursuit and people of worship because we pray that God would lay the groundwork and the kindling and all the stuff that we need to see that. It's not about us and it's not about our faithfulness. It's about our grandchildren's grandchildren's faithfulness. And so we pray and we plead and we move that God, you would see this work done in my family. I believe for many of us, our families change. You can see this, you'll see the history. Not only do you have a before Christ and after Christ story, but your family will as well, your entire family tree. And I believe some of you in here today are those people for your family tree. For your lineage, you are literally the change, this linchpin from who they were. Generations upon generations of sin or struggle will begin to change and move simply because the resurrected Jesus has made its way and has made his way into your life. Yeah, that's good. You're, we still got to chat about clapping. It's a little awkward sometimes, but we'll get there. We'll get there. But you begin to move. You're, you were the linchpin into a brand new lineage for your family. You embrace your call. The other part of your call is to actually train your child. Look, look at some, uh, Proverbs 22. Uh, it says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, now you've heard this uh, taught, most, if you've been in church at all. You've heard this taught uh, when it comes to parenting in any sort of way when it comes to our kids. Um, in Hebrew, just the original language of the Old Testament was, was Hebrew, and so they're, they're talking about this. The, the problem with Hebrew is that there's like only a few thousand words. English has like 30,000 words. Hebrew had like, I think, 12,000. And so they had multiple definitions for multiple different things, they, and they spoke in pictures more than anything. And this idea of train up a child in the way he should go, often we think of this, you are going to do what I tell you to do. You are going to do what I set before you. You are going to follow the path that I lay out before you because Lord willing, when you're old, you will not depart from it. Here's the problem. That doesn't always work, does it? The grandparents in here, parents, find a grandparent in here and say, did that work? It probably did not work. Why? Because they become humans, right? They are humans and they decide to do whatever they want to do roughly around the age of 13, right? They decide, okay, this is my new life. What, what, what Solomon is trying to teach here is train up, is, this, is the Hebrew word for dedicate. It's saying, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord with my kid, right? Which we do whether we know it or not, because half the time when they go to school or when they do anything, we're just trusting them, that trusting God is going to take care of them and take care of all of the worries and anxieties that we have. But in the way that he should go is this phrase, uh, really, if you were to translate it word for word, is according to their mouth, according to their mouth. Now, you've got to have a picture of like a bird getting fed from the parent, right? That's kind of the picture that they're saying. Okay, you want to dedicate your child in the, according to their mouth because that is when they, won't, when they grow old, they won't depart from it. It's essentially the food, the nutrients, the, the capabilities that they need in order to survive, in order to thrive as a human, See, many times what we do is we say, okay, I'm going to show you the things that you need to do to be successful. And oftentimes what we're doing is we're laying out our own life through their eyes. And we start to live vicariously through them. And I'm just going to correct my mistakes through you. 
I want to make sure you never do that. You know what, there's a part of parenting that's like that, where you, you give them wisdom and, 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 and teach them. No, I, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I do. But what, that is not what Proverbs 22 is talking about. What Proverbs 22 is talking about is saying, I'm going to dedicate my child to become all that God has created to them to be. So what do I have to do? I gotta pray. I gotta understand that my child has a universe built within them called the image of God and that they are worthy of love and they are fully uh, created by a creator that loves them and knows them and has plans for them. Whose plans am I responsible for giving to my child? If he's created, not by me, but by God, I gotta ask him, I gotta ask God, what are your plans for my kid? And then I gotta stand behind him in dedication to that and say, you need to become all that God created you to be. I guarantee that is a much less controlling way to parent and much more godly way. I believe when you, when you bring Proverbs 22 into it, you don't start to say, I want you to look exactly like me. Let me correct all of my mistakes through your life. But you say, if I want a long-term gain here, if I want a long-term view of this kid's life, I gotta ask God, what are your plans for him? And how do I, according to his nature, natural cap- capabilities, begin to dedicate him to that and remind him of the dedication to that. Remind them of all they were created to be because even for them, the best way of life is the Jesus way of life. Are we tracking this morning? So we, gotta, we don't get to just control our kids like little pawns in our life to make us feel better. That's short-term gain. Long-term views are dedicating them and trusting them to God and raising them according to the plans he has for them. And so... We pray. We become people of pursuit. We ask God, won't you do this work in our kids' lives? So Moses, he encourages them. He says, I want you to remember your identity. I want you as a parent to to remember your identity. I want you as a parent to embrace your call, to help your children become all they were created to be, not according to your plans, but according to his plans, according to God's plans for your child. Dedicate them to that. Help them grow according to their natural capabilities. And then he says, number three, I want you to remember uh, not only to, to embrace your call, not only to, uh, to remember your identity, uh, but I want you to, I'm forgetting the point three, go ahead, focus on modeling. That's a problem when you try to memorize, and here we are. Okay, here we go. Focus on modeling. Look at what he says. Verse seven, it says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them to your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. He says, all right, you, you want to you embrace your call? Here's how you embrace your call. Sleep the way you sleep, the way you get up, the way you eat. It's all modeling. How, how like horrific is it when you first realize that your kid, you're yelling at your kid for something because they're actually becoming you, right? Like, 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 like there's all sorts of things that your kids will begin to check you on without you even knowing, without them even saying anything, because in all reality, they're doing what they see you doing. That's horrifying. You're like, why are you doing that? Well, it's because half the time they're watching you do that. Right? So you begin to model for them 
what they do, and they'll begin to pick it up, right? And that's what happens over the course of time. There are times you have to uh, move into all sorts of different uh, realms with your kids so that you begin to teach them in different ways. But you model that your role in teaching is not just to verbally teach, but is to model for them. So you have to let your kids catch you praying if you want your kids to pray. Like, mind-blowing, isn't it? You have to let your kids catch you reading the Bible if you want your kids to become godly men and women of God. You have to let your kids catch you serving your spouse if you want them to honor their parents. You have to let your kids catch you doing all sorts of stuff. Because here's what's so incredible. If God is going to share his name with people, it's a sacred matter. It's a sacred matter. If God is a good parent, and he's allowing us to share that same title. I remember one one conversation we were having in the car. Like, Channing was like, what do you mean God is my dad? You're my dad. God is my father? What do you mean you're my father? Well, then I got two fathers. You're my father, and God is my father. There's nothing more weighty than that, isn't it? I, I, like, like, yeah, okay, I'm sharing the name of God. And there's sacredness to that. And so he says, I want you to model that, that your kids will become who you become. And they're watching that, and they're sharing for that, and they're waiting for that. And so we allow that to help us become people of pursuit. And what do we do? We pray. We pray. God, I can't control the heart of my child, but I know a person who can change it. There are many of you who have been praying and praying and praying for ki- your kids, and I, and I know that because you tell me. I'm just praying for my kid. Just praying for my kid. And there's nothing better for you to do. Nothing better for you to do. And you model for them what it's like. You've got to model some things in order to do that. This is what Titus, uh, Paul teaches his, uh, his servant Titus here when he, when he talks about it this way. He says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. In other translations, it says, live above reproach. Live above reproach. Let your kids respect the way that you live. You have to teach them honor. Look at what Ephesians chapter 6 uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about. He said, uh, the next slide. Yep, here we go. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Isn't it awkward that you have to teach your child to honor you? Because Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, teach all of these things to your children. And later on in the scripture says, teach them to honor me. There's nothing more self-serving than that, isn't it? It doesn't feel self-serving. But yet when you don't teach honor to your children, you're, t- you're teaching them that, uh, about something in every aspect of their life. Honoring God, their first practice isn't honoring their parents. And it says there's a promise to that. You want to live a great life? You want an incredible life? You want to live the best life possible? It says the first promise, that you want, it, you want it to go well with you and you want to live long life in the land? Honor your father and mother. It doesn't say, again, go to the best college. 
It doesn't say, get this New York City job. That's a part of our wishes and desires for our kids that they grow up to be successful people. One of the first things that we can teach them that the Bible teaches success is honoring their parents. There's something to that. Now, don't go home and tell your kids to start honoring you immediately because that doesn't work either. That's when it does become self-serving and a little controlling. But what it does, what you can start doing, is live in a way that's above reproach to the point where they have no choice but to honor you. And how do you live a life like that? You pray. And you become a person of pursuit. God, let us do that. If he's going to share his name with you, it's going to be a sacred thing. And he wants you to model that in front of, uh, in front of your kids. And so he says, focus on modeling. So remember your identity. You're not a parent first. You are a child of God first. And from that identity flows everything. Your work, your play, your parenting, your marriage, everything comes from this idea that God loves you and is the satisfier of all of your joys and all of your needs. He says, remember your identity. Second, he says, continue to embrace your call. Help your kids become what they were created to be, not what you want them to be. That's how you train them in a great way according to the Bible. Then he says, focus on modeling. Model for them what a successful and loving and joyful life looks like according to the God of the Bible. Have a six-generation vision of legacy for your family. And then he says, lastly, be aware of idols. Because here's what starts to creep in. Look, at it. it says, he continues in, in chapter six. He says, I do not want you to worship the gods of any neighboring nations, for the Lord your God who lives among you is a jealous God. He says, okay, you're going you're gonna to live this thing. I'm like laying out the pathway for you to have a culture in your family that just is glorifying me. But be careful because there's going to be a God from another nation that might capture your heart, might capture your eyes, and might capture your hands. See, an idol is anything that promises for you the things that only God can give you. See, see, many of us in our culture today, what we want is the kingdom, but we don't want the king. We want all the promises and the joys of the kingdom, but we don't want the actual king himself. But the problem is there's only one way to that kingdom, and it's through the king. It's when we let that king shape us and change us and move us. But we know more than anything that we might think, oh, there might be another way to joy. That's exactly what the first humans struggled with in Genesis chapter 3. I believe I can give myself what only God can give me. And the Bible just says that's an idol. It's a false God. It's one that looks a whole lot like God, but it is not God. It often looks a lot like us. Certainly God wants me to have the desires of my heart. That's what, right? But the problem is he shapes those desires and it's from those desires that he shapes, that overflows into our life. That's when we get the desires that he wants for us. So he says, be aware of the idea that there's gonna be a competition between the way of God for your family and the way of you. There's gonna be something that promises you joy Something that promises you satisfaction, like you're contributing to the world. There's going to be something that promises you, but in the end, is empty. 
in our, in, our, in our desire for joy, in our desire to have a good life, in our desire, what we end up doing is we end up controlling things around us so that we can, in fact, see that type of life show up. But who's the idol when that happens? <coughs> Me. And what you're doing when you do that is you diminish people and things around you to serve your own needs. It's a short-term gain. It's not a long-term view. You know what? Eventually, this is what Paul teaches, is that eventually God's going to give you over to that. That he's fighting for your heart. He's saying, no, 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 that's not the best way. Don't do that. Don't make that decision. Don't make that move. He's fighting for your heart. And this is what it says in Romans 1 when he talks about this. He says, claiming to be wise, how often do we do that, right? They became fools. And they exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. See, here's the thing. An idol will have a way to live life. Your kid going to college and becoming a successful whatever, there's a way of life in there. Your kid getting a scholarship there's a way of life in there. Your kid becoming all that God created them to be, which may include all of those other things. That's what Matthew says, right? Seek first God's kingdom. He'll give you all of these other things. There's a way of life in there. He says, beware of the things that can actually get you to forsake the creator and serve the creation, when you give yourself over to the way of life that the idol will in fact lay out for you, you are releasing your dedication to the way of God. He said, fight to become more like God. Be aware of, of what you struggle with. Be aware of the things that you go to that trigger you. Be aware of the things that, 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 are, are, that are, have a tension pull on your heart. I have a desire to do this instead of the things that God asked me to do. I want to go, I have the same direction, but I have a way to get there and God has a way to get there. When, when, when I want my kid to do a certain thing, I have a way to get there and God has a way to get there. There are idols that we have that serve our own desires. And God's saying, don't, don't do that. I, don't, I, I want to be the only king of your heart. I'm pursuing you. I'm running after you. I am rushing towards you. And I want all of you. And so you as a parent need to know and be aware of the things that cause tension to say, I'm going to do this my own way. It could be the desire for your kid to become a Christian. It could be a desire for your kid to, do, to, to go to school somewhere. It could be a desire for your kid to not wrestle and have, have, have doubts. It could be a desire for your kid even just to not struggle with a certain thing that they're struggling with. And what comes out of you are things that you need to do and not the things that God would ask you to do. And we end up controlling and many, many times driving our children farther, further and further and further away from us.
I watch that even happen with, with, with our own kids sometimes. When I choose the short-term gain because my idol is saying I deserve this type of family, I am forsaking their own call for the, in the long-term view. I'm, I don't want them to become what God created them to be. I want them to become what I want them to be. And ultimately, what am I doing? That's making me feel better. That's not helping them grow into all that God would have them to be. Is there discipline? And of course, there's discipline involved in that. There's all sorts of different things. But my encouragement, I'm not going there today. My encouragement is just be aware of the tension that forms in your heart from your kid wanting to become, you wanting your kid, your kid to be created in your image versus God's image. That's my encouragement. So, so he says, remember your identity. You're first a child of God. You're not a parent first. You're not a wife or a husband first. You're not a, 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 a certain job first. You're a child of God. You're created in his image first. You're loved, deeply loved by him. And that will carry you through every season of your life. He says, just embrace your call as a parent to help your child become everything that they were created to be. Help your kid remember and be shaped by God's image, not your image. He says, I'm going to share my name with you, and it's sacred. So I want you to focus on modeling. I want you to model for your children the way you teach them when you eat and sleep and drink and, and, and everything that you do. I want you to be talking about and reminding them of the things of God. And have a six-generation vision, vision, your grandchildren's grandchildren, to leave a legacy of faithfulness to God. He says, lastly, I, I, just, I want you to be aware of idols. There are things that are tense in your heart. And you could be trying to create your, your, your kids in your image instead of God's image. And we need to repent of that and pray. Because this is what he says. This is the promise that he leaves for everyone where he talks about in, in, in Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching this big prayer. And he says, as Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. He says, if you can trust in God and proclaim that in baptism... He's going to give you the spirit when you call on his name. He's going to empower you to live this life. And this promise is not only going to be for you, it's going to be for your children. And not only for your children, it's going to be for people that are around you, those who are far away from God. Because your role in the world is to show people what God is like. And one of the best ways we can do that is by parenting.